Welcome to All Shall Be Well, a conversation hosted by InterVarsity's Women in the Academy and Professions, giving voice to women seeking to live fully into their God-given callings and be a redeeming influence, whether in the university or beyond. In this episode of All Shall Be Well, Conversations with Women in the Academy and Beyond, our guest is Christine Wagner. I have known Christine for about 20 years when she worked with undergraduate students at Purdue University in Indiana. Christine's housemate was my campus minister at the time, and I had the privilege of experiencing Christine's hospitality on several occasions, and to be a witness to her gifts of leadership. Christine is now an Associate Regional Director with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, where she directed their National Women's Leadership Development Program. She also received her Master of Arts in Counseling Ministries from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. Christine is married to Kurt and lives in Indianapolis, Indiana. In our conversation, Christine shares with us about her book, Finding Your Yes, Living a Life That's Open to God's Invitations. In both her book and in our conversation, Christine invites us into her journey of embracing her strong leadership gifts and all of who God has created her to be. She shares about the goodness and faithfulness of Jesus, even in the midst of pain of years of singleness, as well as how she hears from God and discerns between yes and no when the many possibilities of life pull at us. We so hope you will find our conversation meaningful. Well, thank you, Christine, so much for being a guest on the podcast. Can you begin by sharing a little bit about your faith journey and how that has shaped who you are today? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Caroline. I'm a big fan of The Well and love this podcast. I grew up in church and it was a part of our daily rhythm and in weekly rhythm, we were really involved and it was important to us to to have God be a foundation of our family. But I don't think uh, in hindsight that it really had a personal relationship with me and my, and my soul. And so it wasn't until I went to college that I really felt a connection with God and I realized that I needed that when I started filling up my life with a lot of things that weren't fulfilling me. And it was at that time that an university staff worker came into my sorority and uh, started up a Bible study. And it was something that I felt like I needed to try to satisfy some, some things in my soul and my heart, but I wasn't quite sure if I was bought into it. And after going to the Bible study, for four weeks and uh, talking a lot, the university staff worker pulled me aside and said, hey, I think that you are a leader, would love for you to lead this Bible study, and I'm going to go next door to the Kappa house and start up something there. And I told her she was crazy and that there was <laughs> no way that I was going to lead a Bible study in my sorority. And I went back to my house and I told my friends this crazy idea. And they said, oh yeah, you're the most moral out of all of us. You should totally lead the Bible study. So it had nothing to do with my faith in Jesus, but it was all about, you know, I was a, a fairly decent person and people trusted me and I maybe wasn't as crazy as, as what I could have been. And so with that, I just said, why not? I'll go ahead and lead it. And, and with that, my university staff worker, Sonia, helped mm -hmm. to mentor me and uh, helped me to learn what it meant to really follow Jesus and got me into the scriptures, helped me know what it meant to surrender my life and, and really trust God and make it a very personal thing. And so I'm really grateful for the foundation that I had growing up, 
but incredibly grateful to InterVarsity and how God used that ministry in my life. Yeah, it's fun to hear how you're getting kind of pulled into or roped into leading a Bible study was what actually leading the Bible study was that what helped you kind of seek or find Jesus for yourself. That's a fun, a fun story. Yes. Yes. And it's not necessarily the path to leadership that we um, (laughs) always encourage our university staff to go for. Right. You know, but usually Mm -hmm. it's in a reverse order of that, but it just is another testimony of how God is at work in ways that we don't even know. And that we can't really put them in a box of, of how he wants to develop people and use people. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And then with most of our audience being professional women or women in higher education, would you also share a little bit about your academic background and how that has led you to your current vocation? Sure, sure. I graduated from Butler University in Indianapolis, and I received my undergraduate degree in elementary education. So Mm -hmm. I actually taught fifth grade for two years before I joined InterVarsity staff. And then teaching really prepared me quite a bit for full-time ministry. I'm still a teacher, um, just a different age group and different curriculum, if you will. So Mm -hmm. um, I love seeing people have that aha moment and, and really growing their character and developing into the people that they were meant to be and and who God created them to be. So anyway, I loved ministry. And as I got into ministry more and started helping people uncover some of the the lies or, or some of the false narratives in their life, I started to understand the importance of counseling and seeing people with a lot of trauma Mm -hmm. in their life. And I felt really ill-equipped to help them. And it wasn't my job as an university campus minister to do that. I mean, I'm I'm grateful for so many counselors on campuses that I could send students to, but started to realize, wow, it could be helpful to have some tools in my tool belt uh, with counseling. And then my own journey in my late twenties, I started uncovering my own issues and the things that I was struggling with and the things that were holding me back from really knowing Jesus. So that's when I went ahead and got my master's in counseling ministries at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. Nice. Yeah. And then you've worked a lot with fraternity and sorority students. Am I correct? As Mm -hmm. kind of seeing how your own journey came through that space. And then are you working with Greek students now or not as much? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Greek students, fraternity and sorority students will always have a special place in my heart because of of my background and and context for sure. But I am not directly working in the Greek university line at this point. I'm an associate regional director with Indiana and Illinois region for university. So I help to oversee all of the undergrad ministry that's happening in those two states, which includes Greek work, but not exclusive to it. Got it. Well, thank you for sharing a bit about that part of your life and the academic journey that led you to where you are. And some of our listeners may know that you have written multiple pieces for us at The Well. And toward the end of your book, which I don't think we've even mentioned yet that you wrote a book, have we? I don't know. But anyway, you wrote a book. (laughs) I wrote a book. Yes. So toward the end of your book, you wrote about your journey toward writing and how you initially were hesitant about that path. So one, can you share with us first about your book, 
and also just a little bit about the pathway there. And one of the quotes from your book that really struck me at the end, you wrote about that journey toward writing and how initially you were hesitant about that path. And you wrote, feelings of inadequacy paired with the busyness of life made my no stronger than my yes. Can you say more about how you felt God lead you toward writing, how you discerned that yes, when in the beginning, it seemed like a fairly strong no? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I I did have a pretty strong no towards writing. I did not feel that I had anything new to say that somebody else hadn't already said and Mm -hmm. just wondered what I could possibly create that would be original or interesting. And so I certainly felt inadequate. I didn't think that I was a writer And I had a pretty full ministry day job. So I didn't know where I would squeeze in any sort of creative thinking time in the midst of an already full life and family and friends and that type of thing. And so the way that I started to be open to yes, if you will, was my friend Jill. And uh, I mentioned her in the book, but I will specifically remember a day she's always been a big advocate of my ministry and me, and we've been good friends for over 20 years, but she had this inspiration. She came to my office one day and said, Christine, I think you need to start using your, your voice in an influential Mm way. And it was probably about, I don't know, almost 10 years ago. And people were starting to blog more and have more of an online presence. And she started to show me some of these people that were online. And she said, I think that you have something to say and that you could be, you know, one of these influencers. And I thought, why would I want to do that? <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't think I can, in, what, I, I didn't even know what she was talking about. And what I heard her say, that's what she was trying to tell me. What I actually heard her say was, you need to start writing. And, and that was part of how she thought that I could influence. And mm-hmm. so I said, you know, I'll try writing. So she set up this blog for me. And I mean, bless her, right? Like, so she set up a blog for me and said, here, why don't you just test it out? It's just between you and me. And you can see if you like it. So I did it for, I think, I don't know, a handful of times. And if that, and then the busyness of life just took over. And honestly, writing just didn't feel efficient. It didn't feel Mm -hmm. like I was getting things done the way that I was checking things off my list in my job and in life. And I love achieving things, but with writing, Mm -hmm. I felt like, oh man, you could spend a half a day thinking about something and writing something and then not even use it at the end of the day, you know? (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) I don't know. I just got demotivated and, and I was at a women's conference with InterVarsity And I, gosh, I can't remember the year. I think it was 2013 and we were in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And my friend Una, Lucy Lee, was directing that conference. And she asked me to give a testimony on owning my call and what my call to leadership has been and how I owned it as a woman. Mm -hmm. And so as I gave that testimony, something kind of came alive in me and I was really tracking with the audience and I enjoyed how God was reminding me of my path and my journey. And anyway, afterwards, the editor of The Well, Marsha Bosher at that time, she said, oh, Christine, that was really 
an excellent testimony. Do you write? Would you be interested in writing for the well? And I just looked at her and I was like, no, I don't write. (laughs) (laughs) But my next sentence was, but I will try. And if you'll help me. And actually early that morning, earlier that morning at the conference, we had a listening prayer kind of space after the woman was done preaching the, the message that morning. And she asked us to think about what do you need to say yes to that you've been either avoiding or you've been saying no to, or you just keep circling around it, but it's time. Hmm. It's time to say yes. (laughs) And in that, in that prayer time, I really felt like I heard from the Lord writing and Mm -hmm. I firmly said to him, no, that is dumb. I am not doing that. And so then Eight hours later, Marsha Bosher asks me to write. And I said, fine, <laughs> I give, I give, I'll do it. All right. So that's really the well is I love this gathering space for women. Mm-hmm. It, there's so many great things and topics that are talked about and a safe place and a place where people resonate. And, and it's really where I started writing, which I'm so grateful for. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story. It's fun to hear the ways that God pursued you, even after you said firmly no. So God doesn't give up, right? He doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah. So something then our listeners may not know is that you and I traveled to Russia together about 20 years ago for a summer global mission language cultural exchange or whatever it was called, right? (laughs) With InterVarsity. I was a college student at that time and you were working with the Greek students fraternity sorority ministry at Purdue where I was a student. And my memories of that summer were that it was very challenging, but also a rich experience. As I look back on that time, and maybe it's because I'm older and less risky in my yeses, I can't imagine saying yes to such an adventure now, right? Thinking about as you, you know, share your story about firmly saying no to God. I'm wondering one, if that feels true for you, like feel free to share about what you thought about our trip to Russia. We won't share all the things. Right. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. I wonder if that feels true for you as well about the yeses feeling more risky, maybe mm-hmm. as you get older. And if you have any thoughts for our listeners who might relate to that hesitancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. And honestly, I don't know that I thought about it until you just asked that, Caroline. But yes, I think I can feel an increased hesitancy as I get older. And and I think some of that for me personally, and, and maybe for others too, is that when I was younger, first of all, I feel like I had a lot more energy in some ways, right? Like it was mm-hmm. oh, the, yeah. the world is my oyster. And, you know, I, I just thought I, I had almost this immortality of, you know, nothing can take me down. At least that's how I felt. And I felt like it was a big adventure and I was naive to some of the things that could quote unquote, take me down or some of the hurdles and obstacles, even some of the dangers. Right. So I, I feel like now I'm well aware of so many more dangers and cautions. And maybe that's because of life's experiences. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. more knowledge. I do wonder as I've gotten older, if wiser, there's a fine line between cautious wisdom and fear. And Mm. 
Yeah. And wonder if there's not quite a bit of discernment that needs to happen in order to unborder those two things. And I think also what can cause even more hesitancy and potential fear is that as you get older, a lot of times you have more responsibilities, at least that's been true with me. And, you know, with those responsibilities can be job responsibilities, caretaking responsibilities for aging parents, for children, perhaps marriage, friends, you know, that you're with. So I think practically speaking, a yes to Russia right (laughs) now may not be possible, especially right now in in the midst of a pandemic, right? But I think that there's a lot of different yeses that you can have in different seasons. And Mm. committing to not make a decision out of fear is something that I've opened myself up to with the Lord of saying, you know, that might be something that I feel hesitant about initially or fearful about, but I want to be open to other reasons to say no other than fear. And that if there's other reasons to say no, that is fine. I I didn't write a book to say I should be open to all yeses all the time, right? I mean, you, you just can't. But I think that posture of openness is the thing of saying, okay, I'm going to lay down the fear thing and be open to other possibilities. I like that reflection about distinguishing the line between cautious wisdom and fear and where that line is for each person might be a bit different. Mm -hmm. And so the things that might be a yes to you might be not a yes to someone else that it's not necessarily like, yeah, one size fits all or yes to all the things all the time. Right. No, and plenty of people would be happy for you to say yes to everything, right? Right. (laughs) Yeah, they would. (laughs) No, and then we're like, you know, flat on our face. So sure. um, So there there does have to be some good discernment in that. Also, how would you say then that your yeses that have been difficult or challenging, perhaps such as our trip to Russia many years ago, (laughs) have shaped you? Mm, Thanks. Yes. You know, I would agree with you that that trip was very challenging. (laughs) We had so many obstacles in logistics and relational and cultural misses. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. I learned a ton from that trip. And, and even as you asked that question of the difficult and challenging things, I can think about the things that I learned from that trip that because it was so challenging. And, and then as I think about that trip, and the challenges. I think of other things that I've done that have been challenging and Mm -hmm. and difficult. And there's some of the same things in general terms that I feel like God does. So I think difficult yeses can be so transformative. They help us depend on God. You are very, a lot of times, if something is difficult for me, it's also pulling at a control thread for me. So I may feel out of control or It's not going the way that I want it to. Maybe it's gone off the rails somehow and I'm trying to get it back on and really depending on God's movement and his time and and that what he's doing is on purpose and to move with that instead of trying to force my agenda. And oftentimes what he's trying to show me is is really important and, and not only helpful to the task at hand, but also to me and in my own soul. So I think that dependency on God ups my prayer life a ton in challenging mm. things. 
I experienced God's grace. Even when I think of that trip in Russia, I think, how did we make it through six weeks? <laughs> like, how did we do <laughs> I'm that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. And I think we had the same amount of people come back on the plane that went with us. So that was a success in my mind. You know, everybody sure. came home. But I look back and think, man, that was God's grace in a lot of ways, the way that he carried us, the way that he met us, redeemed situations. And it just builds, at least for me, my confidence and and trust in God when I make it through things that I thought I would never make it through. Because mm-hmm. then you can look back and trace his faithfulness and trace his goodness. And mm-hmm. um, even in the pain and the hard, that maybe even especially so, that he's in it with you. And, and perhaps that's the most important thing that he wants you to know. And I just also learn a ton of resiliency and not just the kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps resiliency, but a spiritual resiliency that no matter the circumstances that God is in it with you, like I said, and developing spiritual practices that help me have that kind of resilience in the midst of those challenging things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm grateful for the challenges. They've really developed me and formed me, but whew, they are hard. Yeah. yeah. Again, the phrase that came to mind while you were sharing is nothing is wasted. Like as we look back on it, even on the really difficult things, like thinking, gosh, why did I say yes to that? To look for God's faithfulness, to look for that thread throughout of where did God show up when we needed him? And it's funny that you mentioned everyone made it back from Russia because I I don't know if you know this story or this part of it. On our return trip home, my name on my passport didn't match the name on my ticket. And I was like stuck in the Vienna airport. I flew back actually a day before everyone else because I was going to RA training at Purdue. Anyway. Right. I forgot about that. Yeah. My name on my passport was different than my name on my ticket and they canceled my seat. And so I was like all alone in Vienna crying and not not speaking the language and God showed up. I don't know how, but miraculously I got on that plane to Chicago from Vienna and some, you know, man came up and was like, you're in my seat. And he sure enough had a a boarding pass that had the same seat number as I did. And I was like, you're, you're not pulling me off of this plane. This is my seat. Right. <laughs> I, don't know, so I don't know what miracle the Lord performed, but, but you showed some resiliency. You showed some resiliency. Indeed. Somehow wow. made it. So indeed, somehow we all made it home. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that story, I don't know if I even knew that, but certainly everything from hospitalizations to right. crazy rooming situations and detours to international relational breakups <laughs> that <laughs> happened. <laughs> yes, yes. The crazy. Lord was with us and uh, nothing was wasted. That's so. right. So somewhat related in your book, you write about the many years of singleness that you experienced and in that space, kind of the way that the Lord was working in your life. Can you share more about that time and how your faith was shaped by all of the yeses and nos of that time? Yeah, I was single until 42 years old. So I met my husband, Kurt, a little bit later in life and he's the first man that I've married. So there were decades of singleness before that. And I was one of those women that always wanted to be married and, Mm -hmm. and to be a mom. So that was 
a heartfelt desire from the time I was a little girl until until I got married. So that was there. And I feel like God continued to nurture that desire. There were a lot of times where I wanted to shut it down, that it was easier not to want that Mm, um, because the longing was so painful that it was just seemed easier sometimes to forget about it or to deny that I really wanted it. But I had a, a wise mentor of mine, Joanne Fields, who went home to be with the Lord over 10 years ago. But she she had said, if you cut that part of your heart off, Christine, you will cut off a lot of other things. Ooh. And it was really profound. And had to sit with that for years. <laughs> but I what I've come to to realize about that is that it it is that place of hope and expectation and feeling alive and passion that goes beyond romantic relationships or even the desire for marriage and kids. But I think it's all connected. But it's this deep intimacy and passion with Jesus as well that gets affected when we cut that off and and for a lot of other things in life. And so I believe that God wants all of us to grow. He wants all of us to mature into a more full and true version of ourselves. And he has a lot of different paths that he takes us on to do that. But uh, for me, the path of singleness was a pretty important path that he took me on. And much of what I learned in singleness, I rely on in marriage as well, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But yeah, some of the yeses that were really key for me and some of the no's in singleness was the, the yes to embrace life and the current moment. So it required me to say yes to gratitude and cultivating a spirit of thankfulness, even if life wasn't looking the way that I wanted it to. And so that meant having to be real with grief as dreams died for me. And in my 30s, particularly, I just felt like, okay, there's a real possibility that I may not ever be a mom. And there's a real possibility I might not get married and grieving that and was really important. I'm not a a person who enjoys grief. I'm not a person who enjoys sadness. I'm a pretty positive person. So for the Lord to take me into that place of my heart, I think also taps into some of these places of of real intimacy with him. And, And then saying no to bitterness and demanding that life should look a certain way in order for me to be happy. It really was a yes to recalibrate it dreams and allowing the Lord to give me new dreams and even dreams that would I trust were in my best interest and that would fulfill some of these longings, perhaps in different ways. So that was really important. And it's something that I still lean into because you know, as one of my friends says, the grass is patchy on both sides of the fence, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. So there's things either way and whatever stage of life or whatever season of life or whatever circumstances, there's always things. And then I think also saying yes in singleness to leadership opportunities 
was really important to me at my church and in InterVarsity. I had the flexibility and availability to say yes to some things that some of my friends who are married with other family responsibilities, it was, it was harder for them in that season to say yes. So I could do that, but then I also had to say no to making work my identity. And okay, yeah. singleness really, wow, you can really make work everything. <laughs> And Mm -hmm. you can put your identity into your role at work because it is where you're spending the most time and where other people are maybe putting their identity into other roles. Yeah. So anyway, I just learned a lot about identity and saying no to being a workaholic. I'm not perfect at any of these yeses and nos, by the way, but on my better (laughs) days, I choose yes, (laughs) but Mm. not always. I'm a work in progress for sure. I'm curious too, how you were able to, or maybe you can say more about holding both the hope and desire, like not cutting that part off of your heart. And yet at the same time, grieving the losses. Yes. It's so complicated. How do we do any of this? I mean, it is the mystery of the gospel to me that we can hold both. I feel like that's what the cross does is it holds both this horrific Mm -hmm. agony and death and pain and humiliation, you know, in one way and, and the suffering, and then it holds the hope and resurrection and new life and Mm -hmm. everything that it stands for, for us. Right. So yes, it is, it is hard to hold both together. I think continuing to cultivate intimacy with Christ through just my relationship with him, having some of those sacred moments of prayer with him has been super helpful in that some scriptures, I think having trusted friends that have seen me through those seasons, that was another yes, actually was a yes to connection and, Mm. and saying no to isolation. Um, Mm -hmm. when I was single and my friendships became family to me and they really helped to speak truth into places that I would have, I was really tempted to, and sometimes found myself believing lies. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that it would have been easy for me once I tapped into that grief, just to stay there. And Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. the help of friends, the help of counselors, the help of spiritual directors. I mean, I've got a whole tribe of people that help me. (laughs) I love their encouragement and prayers with me and calling things out to like help remind. And I think we need to do that for each other is that we help remind each other that it's not just one or the other, but that it's both. And we help give perspective to -hmm. each other. Yeah. Yeah. And saying yes to connection. I appreciate that comment, especially in the midst of the pandemic right now. It's easy. It could be easy, right? For a lot of people to sort of give in to the isolation, but instead to be intentional in that yes. Yeah. Yeah. And another section of the book that I felt might particularly resonate with our listeners is your story of feeling like you needed to tone down who you are as a woman in ministry. And you wrote, A reality in my Midwest neck of the woods was that there seemed to be more social and theological acceptance around men in ministry leadership than women. I had both men and women tell me that my combination of yeses was too intimidating for most men. The pain and longing overtook my convictions, and I began to doubt my choices. My circumstances and surrounding voices nailed down a deeper lie that I had harbored for many years. 
you are too much. I need to tone down my voice, leadership, and personality to be accepted by people. And I can imagine that many women relate to this feeling. How are you able to grow toward a belief that you are not too much? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that is another great question. I, again, don't know that I have totally arrived at this, but definitely making progress. And I keep pressing into this. I think it's so important. Yeah. Similar to the question that I just answered, I have had some incredible mentors in my life that have affirmed gifts of leadership for me and inviting me to use my voice and affirming those gifts and both men and women. And I think I'm even particularly grateful for the men that have been in my life that have advocated for Mm -hmm. me, have sponsored me, have really pushed me perhaps in some leadership moves that I was not even confident to say yes to, but they saw gifts in me and said, no, this would be good. And I think part of the the confidence part of me was like, oh, I just, I don't want to be too much. I was worried, particularly related to the singleness question that the more I developed in leadership, the more I reduced my chances of ever getting Mm. married. And especially in Christian ministry circles, the older that I got in leadership, I realized there were fewer and fewer people that looked like me in the room. Mm. So I I think things are changing and particularly in InterVarsity and even on my direct leadership teams, that's shifting. But, you know, there were, there was probably seven years where I was the only woman on a leadership team and I supervised all men. (laughs) (laughs) I really felt like, okay, I've, I've kind of chosen a path here that is unusual and especially to people that aren't in ministry, because I was open to, you know, being married, I was open to different things and felt like, okay, I I'm an anomaly. I don't know if people are going to know what to do with me. And if Mm. it's too much, and then I made, I made a decision, go big or go home, you know, like, okay, I'm just going to embrace all of who I am with Jesus, because if I don't, I'm not liking who I am. And and I did, mm-hmm. I tried to stuff some of that. I, I remember a particular time in life where I really doubted my choices and doubted, you know, did God make a mistake? by making me Mm. like, does he know how relational I am? (laughs) And does he (laughs) understand how, how much leadership he's given me? Like, you know, it's just kind of natural for me to start organizing things. And it's natural for me to start, you know, thinking about how things could be better. And and so for as much as I tried to push down these leadership qualities, because I felt like maybe it would be more acceptable to people or not just for marriage, but for anybody just felt like, oh, this probably fits the mold better if I can just tone it down. Mm. I realized I didn't like who I was and it would leak out anyway. (laughs) I couldn't couldn't help myself, right? Like it would just ooze out. I'm like, ah, before I could even grab it, you know? And I thought, "I, I give up. I can't do this. And integrity is really important to me. Integrity with myself and with Jesus. And I just decided to trust him. And I'm really grateful for the people in my life that cheered that on. And, and then the scripture, it like stories and scripture always 
help to reaffirm this to me. There are so many strong women in scripture and Mm -hmm. there are so many stories of women who didn't even have, you know, of course, many of them didn't have positional authority and yet they had great influence and, and Mm, many of them are on the margins of society and were looked down on and they are mentioned in the Bible and the lineage of Christ, you know? So I thought, okay, Jesus, Jesus knows, he knows how he made me. It's not a mistake. And I'm just going to be who I am and trust him with the results and the chips will just fall where they are. And I'm much happier (laughs) when I do that. Yeah, thank you. I think that's an encouraging word for a lot of us as women, right? To not try to not be who you are, to try to hide who God's created you to be, even Mm -hmm. if you are like skilled with leadership or other gifts, Mm -hmm. right? That maybe are intimidating to other people. I can't help that. (laughs) Right? Right? (laughs) Yeah. It's not my job to make you comfortable. Um, Right? Yeah. And, you know, the parable of the talents, as we were talking about scripture, Mm -hmm. that really inspired this book, Finding Your Yes, in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways, because I thought there is such high value that Jesus puts on us using our gifts. And Mm -hmm. in that parable, it wasn't about how much money each servant made for the king. You know, the king was excited and said, well done, good and faithful servant for the things that for being faithful with the investment, basically. So because they were faithful, they got rewarded. And there was, yeah, just that idea of we're going to be, how do I want to say this? I think the Lord wants us to use the things that he's given us and that we are called to be good stewards of that. And if that's leadership, then you should be using your leadership. Yeah. And thank God that you didn't hide your leadership skills, right? Right. And I, for one, right, as back in the day, my 20-year-old self was blessed by being under your leadership for sure. And so I know there are probably many, many women you've influenced over the years who have seen you as a model and as an example of someone following Jesus and being transparent in that too. Even some of the pain of yes that you write about in the book is a Mm. model for women as well. So. And when I think of you, Christine Wagoner, two things stick out to me that I can remember from those days back in West Lafayette, Indiana, and those are chocolate chip cookies and foot bubblers. And you write about them. Yes, you write about them in the book and you can share a little bit about what those things are and what the meaning those have brought. Many of us have been looking for ways to care well for ourselves and each other, especially this past year. Can you share about practical ways, such as cookies or foot bubblers, (laughs) that have helped you care for yourself and also offered hospitality and the embodiment of the care of Jesus? Well, people can't see this because we're on a podcast, but I'm smiling so big right now (laughs) that we just mentioned foot bubblers and cookies on this podcast. Yeah. Well, for those that may be wondering what in the world is a foot bubbler, I don't know if that is the correct term. I've just kind of coined that term. And it it is one of those foot spa bath things that you can plug in and put hot water in. And it is just delightful. It bubbles and soothes your feet and you have this automatic spa pampering kind of moment. And I think I have three foot bubblers in my home at this moment, actually. And my husband's like, what are these? I'm like, oh, you don't even know. (laughs) 
you didn't <laughs> invite him to do that on like the first date. I, it wasn't the first date. It wasn't. Okay. But he has he has bubbled. I will say nice. he has. I would bubbled. imagine so. <laughs> yeah, and I have converted many. You know, there's been many a fraternity man and and male colleagues that have enjoyed the foot bubblers at camps and retreats as well. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I joke around about it, but honestly a self-care and having fun and trying to bring some levity to just so many hard things that mm-hmm. that we carry in life right and so it's it's not saying that it's kind of like what we talked about before of of holding both the grief and the hope together it's like man it is possible to say yes life is very hard and yet my soul needs some relief here and I need some TLC. So when I was doing college ministry, the foot bubblers and the chocolate chip cookies became this like evangelism tool in a way. I mean, I remember going over to the Kappa Kappa Gamma house and I knew not one soul over there. And I was asked to spend the weekend to be the substitute house mom. So I don't know if your listeners would know this, but fraternities and sororities, really sororities are are pretty sticklers about this, but they have house parents or house moms that stay at the house and kind of oversee the administration of the house and are kind of mom at large, if you will. Mm. Anyway, when they go on vacation, a lot of times they'll have someone come in and be a replacement. So they asked me to be the replacement house mom at Kappa Kappa Gamma, which when word got out that I could do that, then other sorority Uh moms would start. (laughs) I know, I thought, oh no, you know, what did I do? But it was really fun, especially in these houses that we didn't have any ministry at the time. And I thought, how am I going to win these girls over? And not that I need it to, but I want it to. And I want it to build trust and some friendships with them. So I came armed with foot bubblers and chocolate chip cookies that these chocolate chip cookies, I was taught how to make them. And they are probably, you know, they're as big as your head almost. I mean, they're, (laughs) I just love them. (laughs) So I bring these and they're instant trust builders. And and it's just really fun to see some of people's defenses come down. You know, I mean, who doesn't love a chocolate chip cookie? However, I say all of that and that that's just part of who I am is I, I love hospitality. I love helping people feel safe and to feel seen. And it's a practical way, you know, whether that be through foot bubblers or cookies. These days during the pandemic, I feel like I've been tapping into that through, you know, virtual things. But if that means, you know, sending a text to a friend and and just saying, I'm thinking of you, I find that the simplest things that we can do to show that we see people or to extend warmth and hospitality is so well received. DoorDash, you know, (laughs) gift cards, delivering coffee, like any of these things. And I think that the soul care that happens for me in that is that it gets me outside of myself and Mm -hmm. allows me to not focus in on all of my issues and my problems for the moment and, and actually gives me some levity, enlarges my heart and love as I can overflow some of that love to others. So that has been a huge place of self-care along with some, you know, just creating space to cook good food and bake fun Mm -hmm. things. I will say that creating space to make dinner during the pandemic has been really 
soothing to my soul. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, having an hour to linger and to be creative and yeah, just do some trial and error with recipes. I think it's that same thread with writing and reading. It's that creative space that I find is really good self-care for me too in these days. Yeah. It's like the cookies and foot bubblers makes me think now of the breaking of the bread and washing of the feet in some ways, right? (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we could draw a parallel. Sure. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) But it's that hospitality towards others and building that connection and trust. And then also Mm -hmm. a way of caring for yourself and a way of embodying Jesus and then also getting yourself outside of yourself and, and extending Jesus love to others. I love it. Yeah. 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 And I think if I remember right, you wrote an article or a piece for us at the well about the chocolate chip cookies. Is that right? I did. I did. It was a few years ago. I think it's called A Lifetime in Cookies. And, okay. uh, and the recipe is, I is think, it in Anne there? Boyd, I think Anne okay. tagged the recipe in there. So nice. it is there for all to have. Yeah. Super. We'll link to that. All right. Well, thank you so much, Christine, for being on the podcast. And as you have listened to it as well, you know that we like to conclude our conversation with the same question to all of our guests. Is there a particular quote or scripture or song or other set of words that has been meaningful to you lately? And can you share about why it resonates with you right now? Mm, Sure. Lamentations 3, 21 through 24 has been particularly helpful to me in this season. And it has been for for several years, but I'll just read it saying, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. And that's the New Living Translation. Mm -hmm. And what I love about that, and maybe it's characterized by some of our conversation that we had this afternoon, is just remembering the bedrock of God's faithfulness in my life. So when life gets turned upside down and things go sideways, I start to doubt my yes, doubt if I even heard from God, doubt myself. I I remember his faithfulness and remember that he does work in all things. And whether I see it or not, he is at work and I can trust that and just trusting and knowing and depending on his faithfulness has been such an anchor for me, especially in 2020 and in 2021 of just knowing that he continues to be faithful no matter what. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that encouraging word. And so if people want to get your book, where can they find it? When does it come out? Tell us everything we need to know. Yes. Yes. Well, you can pre-order before May 18th and May 18th is the official launch day and you'll be able to find Finding Your Yes at IVP, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere Christian books are sold. And then I also have a website, christinewagner.com that you could go to as well. Awesome. Thank you so much again for offering your time and your stories and sharing about the faithfulness of God in your life. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for this episode of All Shall Be Well, Conversations with Women in the Academy and Beyond. Information about our guests can be found on our podcast page at thewell.intervarsity.org slash podcasts. 
This has been a production of Women in the Academy and Professions, a focused ministry initiative of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship USA. We value the contribution of podcast guests who are not employed by InterVarsity, and we acknowledge that the opinions of our guests may or may not represent the ministry, doctrine, or policies of InterVarsity. Thank you for joining our conversation as we engage in faith and life together. We'd love to hear your feedback. To share your thoughts or to learn more about who we are or the resources and connections we provide, we invite you to visit us at our online gathering place, The Well. You can find us at thewell.intervarsity.org.